Thank you for joining us with New Perspective Podcast. We'll be talking about current events such as black injustice and police brutality. I'm Lovey New, hosted with my awesome husband. Joshua New. I want to thank you for uh, having this conversation with me again, love. And I want to thank you for looking so beautiful today, as always. I try. She does a great job. And I want to thank each and every one of you out there for joining us today as we uh, proceed on our conversation uh, about current events and the the issues of black injustice and police brutality. Yeah, if you haven't joined us with our prior ones, we have some two other recordings specifically on this topic. So if you like this one, please listen to the others. Let's get started. I have an email question from one of our fans. Love fans, please email any questions you have to us, new perspectives with an S, podcast at gmail.com. Let me get started. What are some ways that we can bridge the gap as neighbors in our community to unite us instead of tearing us apart? Well, I'll tell you what, it's definitely something we need. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've got way too much division going on right now in our communities. But I'll tell you, you know, you can start off first by um, stop looking at the differences in each other as, as our ego, you know, our ego wants to identify the things about me that make me better than you. And we are always having this like competition with other One people else. and it's, yeah. it's unconscious. You don't even realize you do it. It's your ego doing it. But if we could somehow learn how to be in control of that ego that, that has to have that constant, one-upness with other people, I think we could probably get away from seeing the differences and start seeing the similarities in one another. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, for one, I look at the, if I cut my arm right now and you cut yours, we're both going to bleed what color? Red. Red. We both bleed. And every, every single one of us around this entire, no matter if you're Asian, if you're Hispanic, we all bleed red because we're all made of the same stuff. Right. We just, some of us cooked a little longer than others, I think. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, it, it really is irrelevant. We we have way more in common than we choose to see the differences. Yeah. And it really is a choice. We choose to see the differences in one another. And, and those differences are what creates division. Yeah. And, and if we looked at the things that were were the same in one another and similar in one another we would see our commonalities and ways we can unite and have a common understanding and a common fight and i think we've lost a bit of that you know i, I look at it like this don't look across the street at a black man and just see him as a black man see him as a father see him as a father who has young children depending on him the same way you do yeah. me as a white male you know same thing if i see uh, a man walking I can maybe see a black man walking down the street um, with his kids and maybe he doesn't have a car I, I don't look at that situation and say oh well look at this individual who made poor choices in life right I look at that individual and I feel pity and sorrow because you have the same responsibilities I have as a father and as a husband and yet you don't have the resources and opportunities to provide them that I do right so you know if we if we looked at each other with compassion as well I think that would be uh, a, a great step in the right direction and it would help unify one another um, I think coming together with some of these different uh, you know the protests or the uh, just supporting these different initiatives right. and, and coming out in support of those would help unite us together again and show you know because after 9-11 everybody united we did because we, we had a common did 
a common enemy, a common goal, a common well, understanding. We united for right? a moment with uh, COVID. We were like, Correct. oh, we just all want to live. Yeah. <laughs> we weren't racist for a moment. We're like, we I, everybody live. Yeah, but then, but then we 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 it doesn't take long, and and we forget about that. We find something to divide ourselves. Yeah, you know. So we have the capability to to stop that and to change our behaviors. Uh, unfortunately, we don't take the opportunity to do so. But it starts with each and every one of us in our neighborhood, in our perspectives, and how we look at other people, how we interact and engage with other people, and and how we give, how we think about them. Yeah. You know, uh, if if you just see a black man with his, you know, maybe sagging his pants, and you think he's just a thug, you you have no idea what that individual has gone through. You don't understand uh, anything about them to make those judgments. I, I mean, I'm I don't agree with wearing your clothes that way but that doesn't mean that you're a bad person that right. you're a thug it's that a you're style. a threat it's you know you wear your hair up versus down today that doesn't mean that you know i think of you as any different it's it's a silly argument it's a silly perspective but um everyone's entitled to theirs but uh, i think those are some things that because white people can never ever i live with a black person but i could never absolutely understand your struggle and your challenges that you've had to overcome being a black female i can't i never will i won't understand the challenges my children go through i'll never understand i won't either i mean they're mixed so it's it's a completely different challenge and and i think if we just try to number one open our ears and listen and then number two open our hearts to understand if we would do those two things, and, and it, you don't even necessarily have to give feedback, just listen and try to understand another person's perspective, their experience of life, you know, the challenges that they've endured, the things they've overcome, and, and the things they're still struggling with. I think we'd be on a much better path to understanding, having compassion, having empathy, and having a better outlook and perspective on life. So, I, I mean, I understand you're saying we need more compassion, but how do you get real leaders in society to sit down and listen? I, I, I think the protesting that's going on right now is, is really doing that. You know, even back when the, the protests in Ferguson, Missouri were happening, it happened for a few days and it died down. This one is different. Right. Which I am, you know, you even see now other countries are protesting. Absolutely. We got global support right? on this. So it's it's a different feel and you got to ride that wave while it's here. Yeah. Um, it, but I think for one, that is starting to make people wake up. Um, it goes back to, you know, show people how important the black person is to them. Yeah. You know, these, these white people with these businesses, you know, who are a lot of times who are their, their customers? Black people. Uh, yep, you know, Nike people. makes a ton of money off black, black people, people, right? Let's you just know be honest. Days, don't lie. <laughs> the same thing with, uh, you know, and this is a bit off topic here, but we've talked about this before. What if all of the players in the NBA decided yeah. to stop playing? What if all the black players in the NBA just said, we're not playing for this league anymore? Or what if all the football players in the NFL decided they were not going to play anymore? It'd be a sad day in sports. Uh, the sport wouldn't exist. It wouldn't even be what it is. And even within uh, several different things you can go through and, and say, if you took all the black people out of these positions and out of these opportunities, um, you'd be struggling to be able to, to make things work. So here's, so. A, here's a side note on that. Just It came to my mind. This is off topic. Um, the athletes who do have some pull that are black, 
do they really have the white man's respect or are they just hired work? Oh no, they don't. They don't have the the white man's respect, and I won't say that as as a hundred percent every single situation. But okay, all minus in all, Michael Jordan. Okay, we watched no, this. Even even him. I mean, the 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 one thing I'll say is, like I'll say, like Mark Cuban is is one of those owners that I feel like really understands and gets it. Um, I don't think he, you know, he sees them as a part of his his team and his. Uh, his company, and I don't think he feels that way towards them. However, there, uh, James Dolan, who owns the New York Knicks, absolutely believe he's a racist. Yeah. Um, and he sees them as modern day. It's almost like modern day slavery in a sense mm-hmm. that you know. Well, I bought and paid for for that guy, you know, and he's on my team. That's I want to say that N word. No. <laughs> I'm just messing. I'm just messing. <laughs> he would not say that. But. But it's just one of those things that, um, boy, you know, n- no, that was not <laughs> any word I was going to utilize. You're not about to get no, ma'am. Um, <laughs> gotta keep it funny. <laughs> but uh, I think that they absolutely do look at them and it not necessarily being black, white, whatever, but more so from the sense of they care about green. Yeah. It's no, green. I, that. I don't even, I don't even think they see black and white. They see green. And, um, unfortunately that's just the nature nature of the business and it is a business yeah um but you know i i wish they got treated with a little more respect than what they did and understanding and but they're using their voices lebron james i have to absolutely give a shout out to of how he has stood up you know regardless of the athlete he is which he is a tremendous athlete um on top of that to be such as engaged as he is through activism and speaking up on yeah. on some of these issues he uses his platform he uses platform yeah. and his power yeah. you know so um and, and michael jordan has a lot of power i hope he continues to use his power in that way to influence the other owners in the league um but he kind of stays out of it i mean we watch this whole thing yeah. he he kind of is like not a selfish person because when he's on the court he gave 150% but off the court and what you're going to tell him to do, that wasn't his cup of tea. No, and it, and you know what? It's not his his sole responsibility to be. Yeah, but, I quote, didn't he say you know, that? I didn't ask to be a, yeah. um, uh, what is it? A, not a mentor, like, but pretty much an a, example, a role yeah, model. A role yeah. model is the word. Yeah, he said, yeah. I never asked to be that. And that's a very fair choice. He was just being him out yeah. there. I mean, it made into a character, but that really was him. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but there is, but the fact that there are black people, uh, you know, and very powerful athletes speaking up yeah. on behalf. And then now you've got white athletes that are speaking up. Because I'll tell you, the NBA actually, in my opinion, and we're going all over a whole different topic here, but the NBA, in my opinion, truthfully, is more in touch with the social issues and the yeah. racial issues. And, and they really, in my opinion, do a fair job of understanding and listening to their players. But it's and predominantly black. Cultivate It is. I mean, that's one um, of the heavier things yeah. where the star player isn't the quarterback who's white protected by Correct. a whole line of, you know. But that And that's what I was going to get to is the NFL is where the real issues lie, yeah. I think. Um, and I, I think it's the most so. – it makes the most profit as a sport. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's where it's hard to kind of have the change and the good old boys act are still there. Yep. Um, and it was yeah. the first, you know – I know they say baseball is or was like the American sport, sport yeah. but I really think football is, to be honest. I, mean, you, I know of more football fans as far as females 
than, yeah. you know, as far as baseball. Yeah. No. So, I, I mean, so we've kind of gotten off on a whole tangent here about this, but I think it's a relevant topic. And, um, you know, I think it kind of comes back to the same thing. Don't look at people as dollar signs. Yeah. Don't look at them as black athletes. Look at them as people. Look at them as humans. We're, we're all part of the same damn race. The human race yeah let's look at each other in that light than than you know the other light and, and like i mentioned open your ear to listen and open your heart to understand and, and you know it goes back to learning um and someone else I, I read this on some social media it's not black people's responsibility to teach white people about racism it's not their responsibility in, in the same way we sit in our classrooms and we're taught how to multiply. You shut your mouth, you listen, the teacher gives instruction, and, yeah. and there's not, you don't argue with her that two plus two isn't four. You simply listen and you take in information. And if we did the same thing as it relates to these racial issues and matters, and I think we could do a better job of understanding because what do we normally do when we're having a conversation? We're listening long enough to formulate our argument. Right. We're not actually listening to understand. So we open our ears, but close our heart. We got to open them both. Right. So. I agree with that. All right. Um, next question I have. I think this is our last question for you here, love. Uh, this one comes from Facebook. How do you feel about white supremacy groups like the KKK? And should the KKK be seen as a terrorist group? And do you see a difference between the white supremacy groups and like black nationalist groups? Um, let me go with the easier one. Do I see there is a difference between the white supremacy group versus the black nationalist group? No, because they're equal and opposite. Um, we do live in America where everybody has the right of freedom of speech. Just like um, I have no qualms with any white supremacy group um, spewing their hate because unfortunately that's part of America. We have the right to say what we want. Just as I have no problems with um, the new Black Panthers having their meetings, as long as there is no harm brought to any human of any color, period. That's that's yeah. period. Yep. So I have no problem with either groups. Now, with that being said, the history will show you the KKK has and will continue to plague our cities with violence. They, it was created to basically execute violence upon black people. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, I think they should be seen as a terrorist group. This has been a topic that's been brought up recently in news. Should the KKK be seen as a terrorist group? Absolutely. If your goal is to cause harm, or to do mass murdering or to intimidate or any of those things, then yes, there's no negotiation. We don't negotiate with terrorists. We're not going to say, hey, if you only on Sunday. No, it's it's across the board. So I agree that they should be seen as terrorist groups as long as people are protesting, not protesting, but communing in a um, nonviolent way, even if they are talking about harsh racial topics. I believe that is their right as right. long as they're not bullying or um, physically causing harm. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree with that quite truthfully. It's I wish we didn't have to have any of these kinds of groups, but people are going to be people and they are. You know, they're going to find other people that think like them. But truthfully, I, that's where I agree with you is uh, just, you know, keep the violence to yourselves and, and you can believe and feel however you want to feel about people. Just don't mistreat them and, and hurt them. 
it's that one up. Let's not say we're more powerful than the other groups because, like I said, there's always an equal and opposite force. That's just physics. You know what I mean? You you push one way, and there's going to be an opposite pull the other way. So I, I think that's the best. Yeah. And next question that I have, um, why do you think there has been such a lack of accountability for the numerous example of police killings of African-American people specifically? Um. Well, some of the, we've kind of talked a little bit about this in one of our previous episodes. So if you haven't uh, okay. seen that, you know, go take a look. Um, but I think it's a lot of it has to do with the, the justice system and the way that it's set yeah. up to protect them. There are loopholes put in place to um, basically allow them to do some of the things that they do. And, and you know, like I said, they're just loopholes. And yeah. so they know how to uh, navigate those. They've got the entire police department. Um, and, and, you know, if you if if you are the police department, you can determine what gets Judge brought to and light jury. and what doesn't. Right. Yep. And so I think that um, what happens in, in you know, the internal affairs, who do they report to? The chief. They pl- report to the police chief. Yeah. Well, if that police chief is part of the problem. Yeah. Uh, you, all you're doing is is telling on yourself at that point <laughs> and like and you're the rat you know yeah. and so uh they don't look too well on that i don't believe and if police chiefs really stepped in and did their job and and upheld justice then i think it would be a little bit different but i don't believe that that happens you can look at the ahmaud arbery case once again as a great example of oh yeah they you know that's a good it, case actually it, yeah it, it they, they buried it over and over and over again um until it got out and into the social media and then it got to the state level before. So I I think um, that's a big part of why they're not held accountable. And then they don't hold each other accountable. Absolutely. Right. So they don't, they should be holding each other accountable like we do in the military. And we talked about that in in a previous question that, you know, we hold each other accountable. If I see you doing something wrong, it's, I bear the responsibility to correct you. Correct. And when you do that, that's, you know, that's the way a fraternity should work. But unfortunately, a fraternity more or less is I look out for you. I got your back. I'm protect you. Whatever you did wrong, we'll sweep it under the rug and we'll, we'll fix this. And unfortunately, when you do that to fix that person or to help that person because you think they're a good guy, that hurts another person or group of people. And, and honestly, justice is justice. And right. right is right and wrong is wrong. And... Um, that's the way things should be judged. And unfortunately it's not judged that way very much. Um, so I think there should be some sort of like reward system in place for those who actually do stop and help and protect their fellow officers from making mistakes like that. I think we should reward them. The, the other thing that, um, so give them awards like we do in the military. Correct. Absolutely. Combination medals or whatever it is. I I mean, there should definitely be something that, that if you have stepped in and kind of help stop, the the continued threat of but then uh, you'd be a rat you'd be you'd be put on the the bad duty you'd be on the desk in a week and that's that fraternity bullshit that needs to change right because that's not the fraternity we should be you know i've talked to you about this before again i was in the marine corps for a while and in uh uh not iwo jima um in in japan there is a base that you know we go to all okinawa okinawa um thank you 
So in Okinawa, um, there's been many instances of Marines who've gone over there and they have unfortunately raped and hurt, I wouldn't say kill, but they've raped young Japanese girls in Okinawa. Um, the Marine Corps does not protect them. They punish them to the full extent. Right. They don't get protection. And they should be. There's and, and so the same thing, you got the Abu Ghraib uh, incident. Those people got punished. People who, uh, there's many situations in which um, the, the military will punish you for doing the wrong thing. Right. And that goes to another point I wanted to make here, which is that there should be an outside audit and compliance group. Yeah. Right. So not Absolutely. internal affairs, not an internal group. They're not going to give you the real scoop. It should be someone external. You mentioned the National Guard in one of our previous uh, conversations. I think that would be a good start. Um, I also think other options may be the Justice Department or yeah. uh, the Inspector General's office. Um, and, and then lastly, one I think is very relevant, you know, you brought it to my attention with the National Guard conversation is maybe NCI NCIS. Right, absolutely. Um, because they already investigate, you know, things in the military and war crimes and so forth, and they're they're not tied to any particular unit. They're they work for the federal government. So yeah. um, those are some things that I think we could bring into place to, to maybe help the accountability problem and yeah. maybe help absolutely. the there suppression yeah. of evidence and things like that. So um, the the other thing from an accountability perspective that I want to touch on, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do a separate uh, uh, podcast on this uh, and get in some details about it, but I want to cover it a little bit here. Is that the punishment should fit the crime. Absolutely. Um, I've got more than a number of cases here where, and we'll just start with George Floyd. He tried to give a counterfeit $20 bill and lost his life over that by a police officer yep. after he was handcuffed. So, you know, how did that punishment fit the crime? I don't understand. Um, too often, police officers are allowed to be... Uh, for eight the, minutes, he held his knee yeah. on someone's neck. I can sit in his chair for eight minutes, and I feel like I've been sitting for eight minutes, and I want to get up. So he knew he was doing wrong. Oh, he yeah. knew he was. And, and that's the thing, is there police officers are sometimes allowed to be judge, jury, and executioner. But he, even that's just it, though, Josh. There's videos of uh, uh, another civilian walking up to the police officer and has to be a brave-ass soul to go, hey, the man said he can't breathe and your knee's in his neck. Can you can you get off his neck? And and that's just it was I don't feel like he he did have someone tap him. He had a person tap him, oh, I, and he yeah. still had it on his mind. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, but it should have been one of his his fellow partners that that took that step. It shouldn't have had to take a civilian who's not sworn to protect and serve their community to to do that. But he was but, a human, uh, and I think yeah. that a human saw another human hurting. Absolutely, a hundred percent. And I, I just wish that those other officers and the officer who did that would have seen another human hurting yeah. and, and, and treated him like a human instead of a dog in the street. Um, and that's the problem though, is they know they can, they're not going to be held accountable. So therefore they feel like they can get away with this kind of behavior and they do it blatantly. And even knowing that guy knew there were people recording him, he yeah. didn't give a shit. Yeah. So, um, it's getting even more brazen quite truthfully. And, and so I feel like that's, that's number one is we've got to stop allowing police officers to become judge, jury, and executioner. 
more importantly, for a crime that never would have warranted the death penalty to begin with. Right. All right. Absolutely. Hear that. Uh, Eric Garner was selling cigarettes outside of a, a liquor store or a convenience store, whatever it was, and lost his life due to the police just trying to arrest him. <laughs> I don't care if he was resisting arrest or not. I don't care if somebody runs away. Their crime was selling cigarettes. Yeah. I don't think we need to chase them down, put bullets in their back because they just don't listen to us. It's a difference. And police have that thing. It's like you got to listen to everything, single thing I say. They do. And, I and agree with that. Do what I demand, even when the things that they're suggesting aren't right. And, and I'll tell you, you know, there's a whole uh, another video I'd seen. Um, and it was a white kid. Um, and, and so it's it was a very terrible, tragic video. And I won't go into details, but the, the point is, is it ain't, isn't even just about black people having, you know, being uh, uh, subjected to police brutality. They do it to all people. Yeah. You know, now, proportionately, it's worse amongst black people in our communities than it is white people. But the police brutality as a whole shouldn't shouldn't be what it is. There needs to be accountability in place. Yeah. So, um uh, those are some things that I wish we could, you know, fix. I, I, I don't know all the right answers. Uh, hopefully these conversations and discussions will prompt the thought and, and get to those right answers. But uh, but you do bring up you know. a valid point of the accountability. And one thing that I want to get out there, and um, if any of my listeners are attorneys, are um, law enforcement, and want to give me the answer to this, what are our rights as just American citizens when we're pulled over by the police. So this is where I put accountability on ourselves, including myself. I yeah. Hopefully I will have a whole show on what exactly is the right steps and what are your legal rights of letting someone in your car, letting them do this, letting them do that, all the right ways because how else to keep yourself safe than to know your legal rights and enforce them just like the police officers like to enforce their own legal rights. Um, so I think that's important too to have some accountability on the civilians to to have the police officers respond in a better way so you know that hey I have to at least give him my identification. Right. You know, yeah, absolutely. And, and even something that I've kind of mentioned to you before, which is um, the same way we take a driving test and know yeah. what the yield sign means and, and the merge sign and all the different signs. We should also be instructed and taught how to properly respond when a police officer come, you know, pulls you over for whatever it may be. Right. Um, you know, because we've seen, unfortunately, cases where someone's just reaching for a wallet or, or even myself. I personally um I get nervous and scared. And even when you're nervous, you make more jittery movements that, yeah. that appear to be. It's adrenaline. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you did anything wrong. It doesn't mean you're, you're this terrible criminal. You're just nervous of being pulled over by the police. And in fact, he does have a gun on his hip. And if he mm. chooses to discharge it on you, there ain't a damn thing you can do about it. Especially when they approach with them, uh, you know, hand already on their gun. It's always lovely. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you feel safe? So, like, there's. So I feel like we should have like a training program to your point, um, and it should be standard across. I even think the rules should be standard across uh, the country, you know, because yeah. people travel in a different country. You can't know every country, every, every state's, state's laws, yeah. you know. It should be the same world, you know, across the country. I agree with that. Yeah. 
Well, I think that's it for our questions today. And I, I, again, I want to thank you, love. Great conversation. Thank you. And <laughs> I enjoyed spending time with you as always. So I appreciate your thoughts and your honesty as a white male because um, that's the important part of knowing my viewpoints and you knowing his as well and realizing black and white people can work together. We can unify and fix this issue for everyone. Um, all my people of color and uh, all my Caucasian people of color. Like I, I, I mean, Caucasians are race, let me correct, white people <laughs> of color. Um, but I, y'all are still my brothers and sisters. I don't see y'all any different. Um, I'm not going to let a few apples or a few bad apples spoil the entire barrel. So yeah. I just want you to know that all black people don't feel like um, white pe it's always white against black. It's not. I don't feel that way. I feel like these some of these issues are so old. I'm so tired of hearing them. I've heard them from my mother, my grandma. It, it's so old. So I'm glad we're having talks. And please continue to listen to our podcast. Um, email us at new perspectives with an S podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on YouTube at our channel, New Perspectives. Um, Instagram, Instagram uh, New Perspective Podcast, as well as Lovey New. All right, and I just want to thank each and every one of you for joining us today. Thanks for uh, listening to our new perspectives as we inspire hope and ignite the love for life. Thanks, Thanks everyone. Bye.